Patas. 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 Hello, this is Fart House. I'm your host, Casey O'Brien, and I am joined by my good friend, Peanut, Patrick Mallon. Patrick, how are you? Hey, Case. I'm doing okay. Yeah. Um, you know, we're recording this the day after, you know, Ruth Bader Ginsburg passed away last night. Yeah. So, which is sad. So, R.I.P. I'm kind of, I was kind of hoping you weren't going to bring this up because it makes me so sad. Yeah. But we're talking well, about it. You know, everything is politics. That's we true. We can avoid real life, Very true. Casey. I know. We that's have true. To yeah, I mean the moment. But it's true. We can leave it at that. Plus, you also asked me how I am, and that's affecting how I am. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's true. I'm sorry. I shouldn't invade that space. However, some good news, Casey, as yes. we corresponded about on Instagram. Beyond Fest is happening this year. Oh my goodness. This is a horror festival in Los Angeles that Patrick and I I was very sad. This is one of the things I was very sad about. That was affected by Corona. Me too. Virus. We were both like just very resigned to the fact, no way this is happening. Yeah. So they're doing it in a drive-in format now. And we got tickets to a David Lynch. Did you get tickets to that? I haven't gotten tickets yet, but that's the, that's the one I was eyeballing as well. I think. You got to get tickets. It's going to sell out. Don't you think? I know. I know. Hurry up. Uh, Maybe we could <laughs> smuggle you in our car. Right, right, after we're, right after we finish recording, I'll buy tickets. It's a David Lynch triple fe- feature, uh, Blue Velvet, Mulholland Drive, Lost Highway, in that order. And I think that kind of goes in most difficult watch order. So it's going to be interesting to see yes. if we stay up. Because Lost Highway is one of the most inscrutable films I've seen in, ever. Yeah, I agree. I've seen Lost Highway, I think, three times. And I've only I seen can, it once. I can never... It's one of those movies... Oh man, I could go on forever about Lost Highway, but there's there's like flashes of it that are just kind of like imprinted on my brain, and like I yeah sometimes I can't remember if it's from Lost Highway or not, or if I like literally yeah. dreamed it up. Like it's it's just such a it's a nightmarish movie. But yes, I'm very excited about that, Patrick. That's going to be so fun. I'm really looking forward to that, and hopefully yeah. you can go and we can wave at each other from each other's cars. Would <laughs> be fun. Have you been to this this Mission Tiki drive-in? No, Apparently I haven't. I've been wanting to. I've been wanting to go though, so I'm excited. Yeah. So, anyways, um, that lifted my spirits a bit this week. So that's good. I'm I'm doing well, okay. I was gonna, How are you? I was gonna I'm I'm good. I was gonna bring up something sad that happened to you. Also, was that the your beloved Clippers got eliminated from the NBA playoffs? That must have been really tough on you. Are you are you trying to Are you just trying to What are you trying to do? I'm I'm just in. I'm asking. I'm just bringing up something that happened. You're being sincere. What do you mean? I mean, you're not like just like I'm not bringing it up in a you? sneering way. Like <laughs> well, Andrew I was Clippers. a little. I mean. It's not a hundred percent sincere. I mean, I was needling you a little bit, but I was just—I wanted to hear your thoughts on that, how you're handling that, what you're. I was really upset about it, to be honest. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, For a lot of reasons. I mean, you know, they were up three-one, and it's a really good team, and you have one of the best players in the world, Kawhi Leonard, and you have a really good player, Paul George, and you have this phenomenal supporting cast with Montrezl Harrell, Mm -hmm. Landry Shamit, and Lou Williams. The Clippers look so impotent in the last uh, two, in game yeah. six and seven. They looked pathetic. Okay, we've gone too far. Okay. We've gone. We've been t- talking about sports way too much. All of the snobby art house people are like, "What's going yeah. on?" So we need to move it on here. <laughs> yeah. um, so what? This is Fart House Pod. This is the. This is Fart House. Um, uh, we discussed the artsiest farts film, so you can pretend that you did. Uh, today we are talking about my dinner with Andre. Very excited to talk about this movie. It's such uh, a. We'll um, s- 
prototypical like art like cliche art house film yes we'll definitely we'll cover that um we'll subject it to our proprietary fartsy test uh which determines how impenetrable the movie is and we'll give it a drink pairing and we'll give each other notes but to start this episode patrick do you own this movie and have you seen it before no and new hmm Never purchased. I think it, it was I recently released on Criterion, though. It was, and I remember when it was released on Criterion. I thought about picking it up because it's such a art house classic. It feels like the yes. kind of movie you should have in your library. But I totally, I have you know, really slowed down my physical media purchasing. Hmm. To be honest, um, do you think this podcast will ramp it up? I think it'll. It depends. I think in some cases it'll make me nostalgic for physical media and. I don't know, just collecting things in general. Yeah. But also things are so accessible via so many other, well, yeah. you know, as we were proven wrong last week, <laughs> Killer of Sheep is nowhere to be found. I know. <laughs> you know, I think this podcast, if anything, it's made me double down on I need to purchase more physical media because with these like conglomerates who are obtaining movie libraries that just are like not going to be available. Right. And it's like... It's kind of like the same mindset as like crazy conservative Republicans hoarding guns. Right. Like the government's going to take their guns away and they need to be ready. (laughs) I'm like that with movies because I feel like these movies could just be like, they're just like not available to stream. Exactly. You know? And that's why there's so many things I've held on to because of that. Like what for... Maybe this makes less sense now, but I've held on to my DVD copies of Deadwood and Sopranos. Yeah, yeah. But like, I, you and never the foam know. Finger like... you got from Ash versus the Evil Dead. <laughs> held on to that. Well, <laughs> you just never know. Like, you the, never know <laughs> the complexities of rights and the associated yeah legal bullshit. It's just like well. I, I, and I, I kind of keep up with the Criterion releases. And of course we're not, you know, Criterion is not the be all end all, but they are releasing Crash by David Cronenberg, mm-hmm. which is one of my favorite movies. It's so good. And it was not on DVD for, it was hard to find mm-hmm. for a long time. So I'm really, I might, I think I might pick that up because oh, cool. I'm really fascinated. That's by a great that. movie. I haven't seen it in a long time. Oh, it's my, I think it's my favorite Cronenberg movie. Really? Yeah. Huh. Yeah. My dinner with Andre. Let's get into it. Yeah. L- like you said, Patrick, this is kind of a quintessential art house movie in th- in that it is mocked in so many comedies. Mm-hmm. I think you brought up there's a community episode about it. Yeah, that's one that's freshest that in week. my mind. Uh, and there's also in Waiting for Guffman. I think I mentioned this last week. There's like uh, he has like action figures from. Uh, my dinner with Andre because the, the joke this movie is just two men talking at dinner yeah. that's the whole movie so um, and then there's also a Simpsons video game in the in the Simpsons there's a video game version of my dinner with Andre <laughs> I can't really remember the joke with that but or if they had gameplay in the show but that was another thing um, yeah so it's this is like one of those quintessential art house movies and I'm really glad we're covering me it me too it was directed by Louis Maul, who is a famed fartour, I would say. Mm-hmm. Uh, we probably are going to do another one of his movies at some point. He did like Les Enfants, uh, Au Revoir Les Enfants, mm-hmm. and uh, Murmurs of the Heart, mm-hmm. and Le Fou Follet, mm-hmm. and other ones. Yeah. Am I missing any big ones? 
The only ones I've seen are Murmur of the Heart and is Fufale Fire Within. Yeah. The Fire Inside or whatever. The fire Inside, yeah. Uh, those, and those are all really... I like those movies. Uh, oh, Elevator to the Gallows is another one he did. Um, but this movie came out in 1981, and it is... Well, I'm just going to get into the synopsis to explain what this movie is, because there's not... I don't want to get bogged down to like the exact little things that happen in this movie, because essentially... Nothing fucking happens in this movie. Nothing happens in this movie. It's it's Wallace Shawn, who you'd recognize as the inconceivable yeah. guy from Princess Bride. Iconic look, iconic the, voice. He's also apparently only 36 in this, but he looks... Oh my god, I was just gonna say that, Patrick, because they're, they're like, he's like, I'm 36 years old <laughs> in this movie, and I was like, excuse me? He looks like not a day younger than 58. <laughs> he looks, he's like completely bald and like kind of wrinkly, and I was like, I could not believe he was I know. 36. I was, like, That's look- only four years older than me. <laughs> exactly. I'm like looking at my hands and like looking at my face and I'm like, what is going on? How is he 36 and I'm 31? I was shocked. It does make sense though. Like now he's in his 70s or 80s. So it makes sense he was that age in 1981 or whatever. But anyways, he's playing a fictionalized version of himself and the other character in this is Andre Gregory who's playing a fictionalized version of himself. But they're basically playing themselves. Mm-hmm. Um... And the movie starts with this movie brings up a lot of philosophical discussions, which is what is going to be the crux of this talk right here. But I just want to give a little setup of what happened. Uh, the movie starts with a voiceover of Wallace Shawn walking in New York, and he's a playwright and struggling actor, and he's going to have dinner with Andre Gregory, who's a real life theater director. And he's really nervous and about it. He's nervous and he's anxious about it. But the worst thing of all was that I'd been trapped by an odd series of circumstances into agreeing to have dinner with a man I'd been avoiding literally for years. And Wallace Shawn basically explains that, like, Andre Gregory has been kind of a weird, mysterious theater uh, character in the theater scene for the past couple of years because he's kind of disappeared and stopped directing. And there's a lot of weird stories about him that he's heard from other people yeah. uh, secondhand. I start off being um, pretty intrigued. I'm like, oh, what's what's he talking about? This Andre Yeah, be, Yeah, you're kind of like, who is this guy? I want to know more about him. And you find out a lot more about him because this whole movie is, the first half of this movie is just him talking. Oh, he Andre, wouldn't shut the fuck up. I know, at first it was a little hard. At first? But, uh, oh, God. I'm, oh, Patrick, we might have differing opinions about this movie. We'll see how that plays out. But Wallace Shawn is concerned, but he kind of comes to, he's like, well, I can just ask him questions. That's kind of my safety net. I'll just ask him questions. Which I identified Patrick, with that quite a bit. I was going to say, you are the ultimate question asker. Because <laughs> I, I get nervous and I get anxious. and but You ask a ton of, I appreciate that about you though. Thank you. I do, and I. It is all very sincere and earnest. Like a lot of people don't understand. Yeah. Like if um if they're telling a story, you know about something that happened. I'm like, wait, where was that? When was that? You're very. You're an engaged listener. Yeah. Whereas I felt like Wallace Shawn was just kind of like, uh, tell me about this other thing. Like he was just kind of like, he was engaged, but I also feel like he didn't know what else to say. Right. Exactly. For a yeah. Long time. It was like um. It felt very checklist oriented andre andre and wallace sit down at the uh, cafe des artes cafe des artistes in manhattan to have dinner and basically andre talks about his own existential crisis that he's had over the past couple years and he sort of sought out some religious and artistic experiences that are kind of insane 
It was so I I couldn't follow a single thing. I was so bored. I hated every second that while he was talking. But what were some of the things that he said he did? <sighs> I don't know. He went to Poland. I remember him. He went to Poland. He was in some sort of beehive and he got together act yeah he was at the acting troupe with the, like experimental actor troupe in poland oh, it was so annoying it was annoying and then he was like at this experimental architecture place in scotland and he's always having all these like spiritual experiences Ugh, this is just all such bullshit and then he went to the sahara desert to rehearse a play in the middle of the sahara desert the little prince See, and, I had no idea that happened in the Sierra, does it? I remember him talking okay. about the Little Prince and saying how and then, Little Prince was like yes. Nazi propaganda or something. And then he talked about being buried alive in some sort of performance art piece on Long Island. This, 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 him talking takes up the first half of the entire movie. Yes. Just him talking about these crazy spiritual experiences and how every man is not living unless they're seeking out these experiences. Now, Patrick, he's one, we've run into these kind of people a lot because we worked, I brought, I said we worked in Intelligentsia together. We also worked in Venice, California, where there's a lot of people like this. Mm -hmm. These people who seem to be independently wealthy, who go off to like Burning Man mm -hmm. or have these kind of like spiritual, artistic experiences like this. Right. There's always some and, sort of weird kind of retreat type thing that they do. Yes. And they'll, they'll always be like, I ran into this basket maker in El Salvador and we spoke about life. Like those kind of stories, you yeah. know. I hate those kind of people, Patrick. Oh, they're terrible. They're horrible. Yeah. And they're the kind of people that are like, I, we stayed up all night until dawn talking. <laughs> yeah. And they're just all so passionate. And I just can't relate to these kind of people at all. Like, I would, I never get lost in a moment like that. <laughs> and I find these people irritating. I'm kind of jealous of them, too. You know? <laughs> to me. You know like, what I'm saying? Uh, yeah. I mean, I think I have a very natural skepticism of, of so many things. So, like, w when I hear that kind of thing, I just, like. I'm like you're just being a phony. Like you're you're telling me this so you can totally. tell yourself this. I kind of wish I was that way. Or they'll, Why? they'll be like I ran just because I feel like they're tapped into something. No, they're tapped into deeper. nothing. They're tapped into them like themselves but not in an interesting way. I it, they just make me feel Do you ever feel this way that you're like living your life the wrong way? That uh, you're not yeah. fully juicing <laughs> the nectar of out of the fruit of life, you oh, know, of course. I just I feel like every day I, I waste. <laughs> but also when it's like 11 o'clock at night and I'm out and I'm on the precipice of having one of these moments, I'm tired and I want to go home. You know, I, I've mm, been that way mm -hmm. my entire life. I've just never yeah. been passionate. And I think one of the things in film school and being like in the arts, which I guess I'm in, is that I feel like there's so much importance put upon these people that are like, I wrote for 24 hours straight i stayed up all night slaving over my craft you know it's like if you're not creating that way then you're doing it wrong do you yeah. know what i'm talking about oh yeah for sure i think there's a lot of myth making with a lot of um popular figures in cinema and so yes. i think that mythologizing kind of like just like permeates and the community artists. so everyone thinks they have to like i remember you know i would read about how david lynch uh, you know, would go and write at Bob's Big Boy or would go and draw at Bob's Big Boy in Toluca Lake. Yes. 
And so when I lived in LA, I was like, oh, well, I'm going to do that. I'm going to go to Bob's Big Boy in Toluca Lake, and I'm going to write, and I'm going to be a writer, and I will be successful because I wrote with apple pie and coffee at Bob's Big Boy like David Lynch. Well, but I know exactly what you're talking about. You're kind of like instructed. It's like, this is how these directors did this. And so if you're not doing it in this weird, eccentric way, you are not going to be successful. The Andre character is that kind of guy that it's like, like I held hands with this woman and I was weeping yeah. as I, you know, we were in communion together and I don't know. I just, I, I sometimes I'm envious of those experiences because I just feel I'm not able to actually live that hmm. way. I think I, I think I can kind of have them, but I certainly wouldn't tell anyone about it like that. Well, I feel like you drag me out till all hours of the night and I get really <laughs> sleepy. Like it'll be two in the morning and I'm like, why are we at this diner? I want to go home. And it's like, I think those artsy fartsy types would be like, ah, this is when the real stuff happens, right. you know. But so. for me, it's more just like I don't, I don't want the day to end because you know, once know. the day's over, it's another day closer to death. Anyways, back to the film. So the first <laughs> half of this movie is Andre kind of uh, philosophizing, and he's talking about these artistic, spiritual experiences. And there's a point where Wallace starts talking, and this is when I really got sunk into the movie because Wall yeah, Wallace Shawn is like I would say same he he basically is like what are you talking about I'm so confused I don't even know what you're saying <laughs> I did and love that I was like oh thank god and he's basically like you're not a normal person normal people cannot have these experiences where <laughs> yeah. you fly off to Scotland and Poland like normal people just have to go about their day and do their little errands right. and, and they worry I about, take like, joy from that. Remember too what I thought was really what I loved was um the example of the electric blanket. Yes. How I think Andre had said something. I don't know if he was talking about the electric blanket specifically or something else. Like how you're not living, you know, if you're using the electric blanket because it's the Well, <laughs> Wallace was like I love my electric blanket. I can't do a Wallace Shawn voice. It keeps like, me warm. I love my- it keeps me warm. It's I cold. Would- life is hard enough. I would be. I- life is hard enough. It's one of the most rewarding things of my day. I can't live without my electric blanket. I love it. And I Andre's to- like, you're not alive. You're not alive. Techno- what, there's a quote he says. It's like, technology separates us from reality. That mm-hmm. you're, You need to experience the cold to be in touch with reality. <laughs> And he's like, why do I have to be uncomfortable? Yeah, why do I have to be uncomfortable? And he's like, he's like, I, he was like, I don't think that he was like, one of the greatest pleasures is having coffee in the morning. Why is it, why is it, why is it, why is that bad? Why? And he also, do you remember he said, Wallace had this line where he's like, I never know what's going on at a party. I'm completely confused. That's right. Yes, I and I completely related to this. Yeah. I never understand what's what's going on at parties. I'm always confused, and <laughs> I feel like the first half of this movie, I was like, I'm confused, and I relate with Wallace Shawn, and I I never know what's going. On. I don't know what people are talking about, and my, one of the greatest jo- the greatest <laughs> joy in my life is having a cup of coffee in the morning, you know, with my wife Trisha. Yeah, it's great, and it's like. Is that yeah? You love having coffee with my wife Trisha too. And uh, what, what, it, why is it bad to enjoy that? And what? And is there anything more than that? And it's okay if there's not. You mm-hmm. know. Yeah. So I really related to Wallace Shawn, 
And Andre is like, no, people need to live more. They need to not live in fear. And I guess I agree with that. But at the same time, we have lives to live. You, He has the luxury to explore these thoughts where a lot of us don't. I mean, I explore those thoughts, but a lot of my day is just taken up about what I have to do. And that's okay. I think it's okay to have purpose. I think that... Um... You're trying to convince yourself that it's okay. What if it's not okay? See, this is what I think the the, the movie is sort of post, uh, positing. That's what I was trying to say. That you need to get out of your routine. Mm-hmm. But I like that it kind of takes both sides. It's like, yes, get out of your routine, but it's okay to love your electric blanket. You know? Yeah. But I don't know what <laughs> yeah. they're trying to say. Yeah, I remember thinking that like I was kind of... Well, I didn't even really buy that like Andre Gregory who's so self-involved and so obsessed with saying what he had to say, I didn't buy that he would let Wallace continue for that long uninterrupted without interjecting. I, I, yes, I understand. Yes, because Wallace Shawn starts talking in the second half, and I was surprised that Andre allowed that to happen because Andre is seriously talking so long. Yeah, and I was like, I don't movie, buy like that he's just going to... For like 45 minutes straight. Yeah, and Andre seems... I don't know. I guess Andre seems like a man like very comfortable with himself for like kind of like peace I, I don't know he seemed like at peace he just kind of had this weird smile on his face the whole time yeah so maybe that's why he was just like he's confident in his i don't know his worldview his outlook on life and so he'll just let wallace go and not worry okay about so i think you and i are both frequently in the wallace sean camp where we're asking a person questions and the other person is talking uh, uh, this is usually people i don't know very well but the other person is talking at length mm-hmm. and I think it happens to me a lot at parties when I talk to people I don't know where I'm like, could this person ask me one question in return? <laughs> Not that I want to talk. I couldn't talk for that long, but like I, some people just don't ask questions. They don't really want to hear what you have to say. But it's kind of like when a friend um, or like when there's a party and yes. you don't want to go, but you want to be invited, you know? Yeah. It's like yeah. you're having a conversation like with someone. That. It's like, I don't want to talk. I don't want to say anything. I don't want to tell them anything about me. But I kind of want them to be curious or ask a question, which it doesn't really make yeah. sense. <laughs> I was on a Zoom call with uh, kind of a catch up with a guy I kind of know. And I was I was talking with him for like 45 minutes and he was talking the entire time. And I was just asking him questions, follow up questions. And he didn't ask me one question <laughs> the whole time. And I was like. Do you not think of me as a human? Do you not care what's going on? And finally I was like, well, I'm, there was like a pause and I'm like, this is a perfect time. I'll allow him to ask me a question. And he didn't. And then I was like, I just started talking about myself unprompted and it felt very (laughs) awkward. And there are, but there are people that are comfortable just talking and not caring about what other people have to say. Yeah. Quite a few of them. (laughs) I I mean, the end of the movie kind of ends with Wallace Shawn being like, what you're insane. I don't understand you. Like, and they're both kind of like, I don't understand you. Yeah. <laughs> kind of at the end, they're like, they don't understand each other. Right. And it's so funny too, because like they're friends, but not best. But friends. they're not really friends. They're not really friends. They and they seen haven't each seen each other, each other in, in five years. I think it was, I wonder if, would you feel more comfortable having this conversation with someone um, that you, that you worked with five years ago and hadn't seen or with me? I'd be more comfortable having a conversation with you hmm. because if I don't know a person, I can only talk to them with for so long. I could not 
have like they the movie is like two hours mm-hmm. or just under and they talk the entire time yeah and i couldn't talk with someone for that long i would just run out of i would run out of emotional energy and i would have to excuse myself <laughs> i i don't get lost in conversations every conversation i have i'm usually like how much longer is this gonna go on <laughs> including this podcast i have a little timer going and i know how much longer it's going so it's of great it's of great comfort to me <laughs> I think what about there, you, Patrick? there is something to be said, though, about there's something kind of liberating and you can feel a little bit more vulnerable sometimes. Maybe this is just I think this depends on the person. But for me, sometimes if it's someone that I haven't seen in a really long time or don't even know that well, yeah. there's a degree of liberation there. But also at the same time, you're also I don't know. I, I'm just such a complex person case. I don't know whether or not to aren't we all protect myself or reveal myself. I don't know. Patrick, do you have any other? Let me look. I just want to look at my notes here real quick. We covered most of everything I wanted to talk about. There's a couple things note-wise. Yes. Uh, did you have you you've seen adaptation, right? Yes, love adaptation. You know what I was thinking about because there's so much voiceover at the beginning from Wallace Shawn. I yes. couldn't help but think of. Do you remember Brian Cox plays the screenwriting teacher? Uh, yes. McKee, Robert McKee, I think his name is. Robert, yeah. God help you if you put a voiceover in a movie. That's what it was. Something like that. Exactly. I really liked the voiceover at the beginning. I really enjoyed watching little goofy looking Wallace Shawn being like, I'm having dinner with this guy. And it's like, and he's walking through New York. You're kind of like, what's going on here? It just like, it looks like he's been like chewed up and spit out by the city. And he's just like cold, windblown. He looks like such a like 1980s New Yorker. Oh, I wanted to bring up something Yes, that they touched upon in this movie about being in these artsy-fartsy circles with people who are successful and being embarrassed of your job. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that I part? I do, yeah. Where he's talking about how people respect you less when they find out what you do. They don't care about your opinion right. when they find out what you do. Mm-hmm. And because he was like a Latin teacher at some point and his wife was Secretary. a waitress. Or a secretary. Uh-huh. And people look down on you and don't respect your opinion when they find out what you do. And that's just something I really related to because I was so embarrassed of what I did for so long. Yeah. To me, I mean, I, I think I feel like there's I feel like for me, I could almost have any career and I'd probably still feel that feeling. I think that's just so built into my psyche, my psychology. It yeah. wouldn't matter what my career was and I would still be like kind of like, oh, it's not. It's nothing. Like I tell myself, like, well, oh, what if I was a neurosurgeon? It's like, no, even then, I'd be like, oh, yeah. no, it's not. It's more of a technical job, really. I don't. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I feel like I'm less embarrassed of my job now. Same. I like my job now. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, for most of my 20s, I was like a dishwasher, a barista, a lunch counter guy working in restaurants. And I was working at a grade school and nursery And I was so embarrassed to say that I worked at these places. Like, I just felt so looked down upon. I'm sure that's all made up, but that's such a horrible feeling. I know. And I think, um, you know, to, I know we don't want to wade into politics too much, but I think that's a unique function of our capitalist society. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I think. uh, I could go on at length about that, but I won't. I think also living in Los Angeles, there's such a, like, there is such a, caste system or a hierarchy oh yeah it's like i love los angeles but um 
you don't feel that in San Diego. There's there's a Oh, you don't feel that in Minneapolis as strong. I think it's probably there too, but like it's just it's okay to be working at a restaurant or it's okay not to be a super successful there's just so much wrapped up in being successful mm-hmm. and i was just so hard for me for so long just yeah. being like meeting all of trisha's friends when we started dating i didn't have a job and then tell then telling them i worked at a nursery it was kind of embarrassing because they were all so successful in my yeah. eyes i mean they probably didn't see me that way but that's how i saw myself right. and it's hard to shake what that an icky feeling feeling and I don't think that way about people. I don't think like <laughs> you're just a right. Me you're neither. Just a waiter. Well, that's the thing. No one's thinking about you as much as you think they're thinking about you. That's another one of my dad's quotes. Is I think you'd be surprised at how little people care about right. you. Yeah, I think I've heard that from my from my parents too. <laughs> and in therapy, which is true. No one really thinks about <laughs> yeah. you and in therapy. Truly, no one really thinks about you yeah. that much. And think about how um, much we're thinking about ourselves, like you and me. I'm I thinking know. about myself a lot. You're thinking about yourself a lot. Then we don't have much time to think about other people. <laughs> we're just kind of bumping into each other while we're both thinking about ourselves. Yeah. Um. Okay. I think we we've we've this this basically this episode has turned into a my dinner with Andre, yeah. a my dinner with Peanut. At least it's been basically. more of a conversation as opposed to. Yes. Andre bloviating for five hours. Well, you know what we should do before we get into the fartsy mm. test? You were going to say something about my letterboxed review. Uh, now, yeah. this is not a critical show. We are not saying whether we like it or not. But I gave this movie five out of five stars. <laughs> See, I know this isn't... On Letterboxd. We're not supposed to technically say whether or not we like it. So I didn't... The only reason I wanted to bring it up is because I think it's dynamite content. That you gave this movie five stars and for the first 80 minutes 70 minutes i hated this movie i could not wait for it to end i thought about turning it off i was like i'm gonna turn this off and casey's just gonna have to talk to me about it and i'm just gonna talk about how this is the worst thing i've ever seen and my position changed somewhat towards the end because so much of what wallace said resonated with me patrick we gotta we i think we gotta put this through the farty yeah we gotta put it through the farty test let's go Last time we got, last episode, we got into a bit of a tiff about me asking you to explain the farty <laughs> test. Was it a tiff? A little bit of a tiff. He had kind of a, a little bit of a hissy fit. <laughs> I, so do you want, I'll explain the farty test this week. So the farty test is our proprietary scientific system to mm-hmm. decide the artsy fartsiness of a movie. It is our scale that gauges how impenetrable, how unapproachable, and generally artsy fartsy a movie is. Um, this is a living document. We're, we're always fine tuning, aren't we, Patrick? Always. Um, so yeah, this is our gauge, you know, and it's kind of like an MPAA rating where you're like, hmm, if I'm going to watch this, how artsy fartsy is the content of this? And you're like, whoa, this right. is a 9.7. I'm not going to watch this. I want to have fun tonight. You know, <laughs> exactly. where it's like, I don't want to think too much, but if it's like a one, right. if you're like, I want something that really scratches that philosophical intellectual itch and it's the, the movie is rated a one, you're going to be like, mm, not today, you know? Yeah, you're going to want to stay away from that. So, anyways, the first question on the Farty test, is there suicide? Hmm. No. No, there's not. There's not even mention of suicide, I don't think. No. Um, Are there inexplicable images that seem utterly unnecessary? No. Yes, the entire first 80 oh, minutes. Oh, Patrick, that is... that. <laughs> but you understand what's happening. It's not like, ooh, what does that mean? <laughs> I No, I didn't understand what was happening. Oh, you're sick. The vendetta. You know what? This isn't going to work if you're not going to be uh, objective science and scientific. <laughs> Um, is the movie over two hours and can you start watching this movie after 8 p.m. without falling asleep? I would not recommend Fuck it. Fuck no. 
I even I, someone who really enjoyed this movie, my eyes actually unfocused themselves during the first a couple times during the first 70 minutes of the movie because I was kind of getting lost in this philosophical spiritual conversation it felt like I like blacked out like I was just like I don't know what the hell he is saying it was hard I was like what the fuck is he talking about okay is the acting wooden and emotionless hmm what do you think about that Patrick no no they were fun I thought they were good is there an inordinate amount of milling about? Now, not physically, but I think it scores on this because they're just talking. It This could have been like, it's kind of like the before movies where it's like two people talking, walking around, mm-hmm. but they, instead they're just sitting still at a dinner. See, to me, I saw that in your in your review. And so I did kind of want to talk about that for a second. To me, I didn't find this to be I could see I could see the comparison but to me they're very different because those movies I mean there is the they're more dynamic because they're changing location and they're moving and there's something more compelling about yeah. watching people fall in those love Those movies are much shorter usually mm-hmm. and they're more active It's actual conversation yeah. this is yeah, yeah. fucking Andre Gregory masturbation session Yeah <laughs> Yeah Yeah that's true Basically. I, I agree. Now, okay, I, I tweaked the last question here because you threw a tantrum last week about it. Um, <laughs> Remind me, what was my tantrum? Like, what did I get oh, I'd about? always rather watch a movie than read David Foster Wallace, you know? Oh, that's right. Yeah, I did throw so a tantrum, So I put, I? would you rather read 10 pages of David Foster Wallace just to make it a little bit more approachable, you know? I, I like that modulation. Okay. So would you rather read 10 pages of David Foster Wallace... Then watch this movie, Patrick. Yes. Not me, but I think it's proper and correct to say yes for this one. Um, Yeah. Now, something I've added to the Fartsy test uh, is medallions. And these are just sort of, they're they're like little awards that movies that cause a great deal of, that that you have a big reaction to. You know, like Rashomon got the nappy time, Mm -hmm. fart house nappy time medallion because we were bored during it i think this gets a medallion for incredible amount of pretentious references i do not understand medallion yeah i was gonna say pretentious bullshit medallion okay because there are so many pretentious references to other movies or other pieces of art that i'm like what the what the hell are they talking about you know i literally did not know what they were talking about and I think, I mean, pro- I think Wallace probably didn't know much of what he was talking about either. Well, they, uh, Wallace references that somebody saw Andre coming out of a screening of an Ingmar Bergman movie. Did you see that? A little reference to another Autumn fart tour. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, pretentious bullshit, pretentious references, medallion. I think, uh, I think it gets a medallion for that. Oh, Patrick. I agree. Let's calculate this sucker. Uh, let me just add up okay. uh, the, the numbers and uh, put it through the machine here. Okay. I got it. I got it. Me too. You want me to go first? Or you want to go first? I'll go first. Go ahead. Uh, 7.8. <laughs> oh! I'm surprised it's so low. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. I think that's pretty high. It's the highest I've given. I was going to give it an 8.5. <laughs> Because you have to think about, like, if you screened this for a normal human being, I feel like I guess this would the, cause a riot. 
<laughs> I think the only it would call, it would people would go insane like <laughs> what is this? <laughs> I was going insane. I was cursing your name the first seventy minutes. Why my name? <laughs> I thought you were the one that wanted I don't to know. do this it, one. I know it was my suggestion. I don't know. I can't blame myself. I have to blame someone else. So you were on the chopping block. Human nature. (laughs) I understand. Yeah, I guess I think it has to do more so with my... um, I have so much... I think a lot of people do, but I have so much trouble rating things. And I've noticed that a lot about with... um, And I know this isn't a quality rating. It's more so like I have trouble with ranges. I don't know how to... um, I don't know about the distribution. Like, I don't know when I'm being too extreme or... You d- this is an emotional rating in many ways. So I think whatever pops into your head first is the correct one. Yeah, I, th- I think that's right. I think it's because just like eight, nines, and tens. I, yeah, no, it should, you know, it should be, it should be over eight. I think, I guess I was just thinking like, that's so much higher than anything else. But I think it should be over, over eight. So what's your score here? After talking it through with you, I'm going to revise to 8.4. Bump it up to 8.5, make it mine. Yeah. That way no no math make is it mine. needed. Yeah. <laughs> that's when we decide on a score that's similar. Okay, 8.5. I think that's good. I kind of bullied yeah. you into that. But I just think that this is such an unusual film. And it, it, 8.5 is a B, if you think about it that way. You know, like it is super pretentious and super inaccessible. And... <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I, it's uh, it's a tough one, but I loved it. I thought, how did this get like? Roger Ebert <laughs> know, said it was one of his if, uh... favorite movies of the '80s. It's in his. Yeah, I went back and read Roger Ebert's review, and I tried to avoid reading too many reviews because I I wanted to hold on to my visceral sure. reaction to this movie. <laughs> I didn't want to start appreciating it for all of its um, redeeming qualities. I wanted to hold on to my frustration with it. <laughs> Mm. Um, but in reading reviews, I mean, there was one review that I kind of, um, that made me soften my tone on this a little bit. It was some random person on Letterboxd had said that it's kind of, if you watch this movie without trying to like pay attention so much Mm. and you just use it kind of as an opportunity to reflect while the movie's kind of like going on in the background, Mm. like it's kind of okay that your mind wanders and you think about other things and you think about how you... The movie does slowly grab you a bit and engage you. But I think the movie, it what's dangerous about it <laughs> is it's so boring for so long. It's a dangerous that I, film. Like, <laughs> they're like, I don't know if the payoff is worth it. But then I'm thinking like, okay, I guess you need at least a lot of that Andre Gregory bullshit up front to be able to make everything else make sense. Yeah. One thing I was going to ask you, I don't know if we kind of touched on this specifically, but did you think it would be, and maybe you have a different perception of the movie than I do, but I think you do have a different perception, but did you think it would be more of a conversation throughout the movie? So, Did you realize it was going to be so front-loaded with Andre? I watched Waiting for Guffman in high school for one of my theater classes, because I was actually in a theater program in high school, and Mm. our teacher... Mr. Sawyer had to explain the waiting for or the uh, my dinner with Andre action figures joke. And he said, it's a really boring movie of like two men talking. And one of the men doesn't really talk that much during it. It's like one guy talking. Uh, So I knew one person talked a large amount of the movie. 
another kind of funny thing, um, another preconceived notion I had going into this movie. Aside, I thought it would be more of a conversation. And I thought um, before I realized that it was like based on themselves, I just assumed that like in reading the synopsis, uh, I just assumed that Wallace was going to be Andre and like Wallace was like the kooky friend because he's already such a strange character with this kind of his look and his sound. Like I thought. I think I I thought he was going to be Andre too. Yeah. Because he just. Like I thought Andre or more the guy who ended up being Andre was going to be someone else and was going to be the more grounded version was more worried about going to meet up with Wallace Shawn. <laughs> Which if you saw Wallace Shawn waiting for you at a table to have dinner with you'd be like oh boy. Yeah, you'd be like, oh, fuck, he has one this of those guy. like looks that like. There's a lot of guys that the '80s produced that looked very bizarre, and yeah, I don't feel like we have that many people like that anymore. That no, that no, we don't have the Steve Buscemi's and the Wallace Shawns. And there's that, they, I mean, they're, there's a there's, they're here, but not from our generation. There's an actor. He's his name is Vincent. He was like. He was a teacher in Fast Times at Ridgemont High. He's in Amadeus. He's this gaunt-looking oh, yes. guy. About. Oh, Vincent Chiavelli. Yeah, he was great. That's right. Yeah, great, great actor. R.I.P. Um, okay, Patrick. We've calculated. We've put it in our uh, spreadsheet. Um, mm-hmm. Did you have a drink pairing for this movie? Yes, I didn't get too creative. Apparently, what I do is I just looks to see where the movie is set, and then I think of a drink that has the same name as the setting. So I made a Manhattan. Hey! This I think movie wine is about, would have uh, been better. But that's just my you know, opinion. This movie is about New York, too, like every other fucking movie ever made. <laughs> not shot in New York, though. Did you read that? Oh, it's not? No, I did. is it shot the in France? interior, they built a restaurant in Virginia. Oh, And Virginia. they shot the interiors there. Yeah, most of the movie is set in Virginia. Or oh, that's very Virginia. interesting. But it's set in New York. But it's set in New York. Now, did you shake it or stir it? I'm a stir, and I, that's technically how you're supposed to do it, but I Shut don't. <laughs> I know you and Sean like to shake your Manhattans. I like it cold. I like a cold drink. My recommendation you know, if you are shaking Manhattan is to maybe use a little bit more booze than you otherwise would. No. I'm because you're you're diluting it too much if you're shaking it with ice. You're still getting it all, though, in your gullet. Yeah, but it's a different it's a different flavor profile if it's more diluted. Oh my God, we should cut this segment. Uh, the you know what I started doing, which Stare is your also, Manhattan's people. You know, you know what else I've been doing that I don't think is is also looked down upon hmm. is having martinis on the rocks <sighs> because I can drink them longer and they stay so cold. Yeah, if I have, I like I prefer the taste of the martini up, but. Man, do I just rocket those suckers back. <laughs> well, that is the nice thing about drinking things on the rocks is it elongates the drink. Like I used yeah. to only drink whiskey neat, like pretty much exclusively. And oh, I always drink whiskey on the rocks now because I like to sip it. Yeah. So I've been drinking it on the I rocks. That every night. Way more often. Twofold. One, to elongate the drink. Um, so I'm just kind of sipping on that for longer. And then two, because it's just been so unbearably hot. It's like the idea of like, like my apartment is like constantly like 84 degrees. So the idea of just having like 84 degree whiskey is like not very appealing. Anyways, drink pairing. That was great. Thank you, Patrick. I my don't pleasure. want to get rid of this segment. I was just joking. Um, now here comes, do you have any notes for future episodes? This is our way to help improve 
every episode to make this better, to get our audience bigger. Uh, mm-hmm. Patrick, do you have any notes for me that you think I could improve upon? If I would like to talk about news of the day, important breaking news, let me have a little comment about it. You so seemed... you're upset that I tried to put the kibosh on talking about RBG. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. The world is such a dark place, Patrick. Don't we want the, Don't we want them to just not think about it? You know, but I'll take your note. Yes. I think you're an event. You're right. We're affected. We're not unaffected by it. You know, but uh, maybe you're right. So maybe, maybe that's a note for myself too. That's a, that's a um, note for reflection for both of us. My, my note is stick to your guns on your notes. I brought, I, 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 uh, uh, I walked you back from that so easily. <laughs> I feel like I folded you up into a little pretzel. <laughs> well, and, um, I'm, I like to think of myself, I think I, I have, there are convictions that I hold and some things I stand firm on, but I also never want to be so steadfast in a belief think, that I'm totally what? unwavering. That's, and I am I that way with some good. things, but I, I don't think that's like actually that good. One. It makes you a What's good that? friend. It makes you a good friend that you're Thank not you. so ardent in your opinions, like some yes. of our mutual friends are. <laughs> uh, Oh, my! the note I wrote down, though, was just because this character, Andre, was traveling all the time. He was jet-setting all around the place. It reminded me of you because pre-corona, you traveled quite a bit. And you got pneumonia twice. And when, when, when corona's all done, I think you should cool it on the travel, buddy. I worry <laughs> about your health. <laughs> but it's not like Andre Gregory's travels. It's like... Going to Tampa to see a baseball game. Yeah, but still, that's wild. Wild behavior. I guess that is kind of an extreme example. (laughs) Yeah. Anyways. But you got to see the world case. Are you really living if you're just I don't really want to. I I don't really. I don't. I've kind of seen enough. I think it just has to do with my innate. um, Like, I think like FOMO is hardwired into me. Like, I would need to be lobotomized. You have FOMO. That I don't feel that way. I don't feel no. FOMO. Really. I feel it very acutely most of the time. Your FOMO is specific though, because I think my FOMO is like, oh, people are having fun. I wanna I don't wanna miss out on that. Like if you and our friend Sean are like getting drinks somewhere and you invite me, I like race over there because I'm like, I don't want to miss out on the fun. <laughs> so that's my fear of missing out. Yeah, but you're kind of chasing a ghost. Like there's always this idea of the fun that could be had that you could potentially be missing out on, <laughs> yes. you know, the FOMO apparition effect. Yes. yes. <laughs> well, Patrick, this was a great episode. I think one of our best, our best, too. I'll say it is our best episode. Um, we get better and better. Please tell a friend, tell one friend about our show. Listeners tell one friend, please. And rate us on Apple podcasts. That really helps with the show. Yes, it, it helps does. get the show out there. Should we run some kind of promo to get people to? I don't know what people would want from us, but something to. Put, I I liked your Twitter promo, that was good. Oh, we'll give you a personal message. Yeah. If you send us a receipt telling another person, yes. Yeah. We'll do. We'll still do that. That's still a. That's still a promo. We can't offer much more. Yeah. All you have to do is send send us an undoctored screenshot of you telling a friend about the podcast, and we'll shout yes. you out on socials. And you can do that at our Instagram at Fart House Podcast. Mm-hmm. Is that what that is? And then on Twitter, yeah, it's at Fart House Pod. Yep. 
and uh, follow Patrick and I on Letterboxd at PRMelon. PR Mallon, and I'm mm-hmm. at Casey Lee O'Brien. There's a great article about Letterboxd on The Ringer. This I saw you week. tweeted that out, and I started uh, reading. It's Scott Tobias, I think, right? Yes, it's yeah, kind of interesting. Um, Demi Adedemi uh, Adedjuibe um, is a great Letterboxd follow. He's a comedian in LA. We had him on one of my podcasts, Who Shot Ya, and he has a lot to say about movies. Um, and he's interviewed in that. Is he interviewed article. in the article? Yeah, he is. Um, cool. He's a great follow. There's another great follow, Brat Pitt. I can't remember what her real name is, but she's also quoted in that article. Anyways, follow us on Letterboxd. Uh, you can follow me on, on Twitter at Casey Lee O'Brien. You can follow Patrick Mallon on Twitter at... Patrick R. Mallon. Patrick R. Mallon. Well, Patrick, the next time I'll be talking to you, I'll be back in LA. Wow. Back so, to the same time zone, finally. I know. Thank God. <laughs> Um, the all right, West Patrick. Coast is on fire, buddy. I know. Come cool it down. Go back. All right, Patrick. Great talking with you. You um, too, Have Case. a great week. I'll see you later. Right, bye-bye. Patas. 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 Patas.